Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. It is May 23rd, a Monday, as the offseason continues for the Flyers. Second round of the playoffs continues for the eight teams that remain. And, well, former Flyer Claude Giroux is knocking on the door of a second round exit. They're now down three games to none against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa just showing how great of a team they are. When we look back in 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this Tampa team and say they're one of the great teams of all time. They're going to be up there with some of the great Canadians teams. They're going to be up there with the New York Islanders dynasty that won four straight, with the Chicago Blackhawks who won, what, three in five years, with the teams of Detroit. They're going to be up there with those elite, elite teams, the eight mid-'80s to late-'80s Edmonton Oilers. That's how great they are. So we'll see how that series plays out. But it is a Monday, and that means Bill Meltzer joins us from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I am doing well. I'm enjoying the uh, you know the playoff games. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting round too, hasn't it? Where you look at a team like Florida backs totally against the wall. Tampa gets all they can handle in round number one, goes seven against. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it looks like they've got their legs under them completely right now, and that's not good news for Florida. They're they're really up against it. Yeah, it's hard to picture Florida winning winning four straight, particularly the way the last couple of games have gone. You know, when you when you have a game where there's a buzzer beater like that, you know, it's just it's so deflating for a team. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's, it's hard to it's hard to make your way back. Um, and I mean, the great you know the number one factor in, in hockey is always his goaltending. And uh, Vasilevsky's been outstanding. Bobrovsky hasn't been bad. He's been okay. But you need to be better than okay the way that Vasilevsky is playing. There's so many times you can look back on playoff series and go, the winner was the team that got the better goaltending. Yeah. And that's the problem right now with Tampa because in almost any series, they're not going to be out goaltended, or at least they haven't been now in nine straight. Uh, for sure, you know, and in the first round, there were a couple games where Vasilevsky looked human. Uh, not bad, but but human, yeah. um, you know, and, and he's just gotten better and better and better as it's rolled along, which is bad news for everybody else. And the other thing with him, too, Bill, is that in back to after games, after a loss or closeout games, yeah. he's at his absolute best. So when the heat is cranked up as high as it can go on a goaltender, and there's no higher than a game seven or you know, an elimination game. That's when he's at his best. It's stunning to me. It's, it's, it's been wild. And, uh, you know, in third periods, I mean, he's just been impenetrable. You know, it's uh, it, it's been it's been quite a sight to see. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you go, go back to the to the Toronto series where, you know, there were games they closed out where they were under siege for a while. It wasn't just uh, – it just wasn't the team in front. So it's been, uh, you know, I mean, it's been, I guess, not surprising, but it's been – you know, it's been very interesting to watch and, you know, and, and also, you know, in, in watching the Rangers game today, you know, um, you know, uh, Shesterkin was tremendous, except for the one, one, one goal against was a bad goal, Yeah. but he put it right back in. And then that's also a mark of good goaltending too, Yeah. because every once in a while you're going to give one up that you want to have back. That's how you bounce back from it. And, you know, he bounced back perfectly. I mean, they, you know, we, he, uh, it was a huge reason why the Rangers won that game and why they're 
they're back in the series. Yeah, and the thing is with him, he's given up seven goals now since he was pulled for the second time in Pittsburgh, or 13 goals, rather, in seven games. And the other part is 43 saves on 44 shots, and yeah. he's everything to that team. He's he's really the biggest reason why they are where they are. A um, couple things. Let's get to uh, some of this stuff for the Flyers. And, you know, when I was preparing for this episode – I'm like, what's there to talk about? We're kind of waiting. We're on Trot's watch. You know, he he did not physically interview with the Flyers on Friday, although I believe there may, be a, may have been a conversation and to set up an interview for an in-person, which could perhaps happen sometime this week. Uh, we've seen some pretty credible reporting on that. But it got me really kind of thinking. You know, I, I always try and keep myself sane. As a Philadelphia sports fan, it hasn't been easy, Right whether you like all four teams, you like three of the four, two of the four, one of whatever it is, it's, it's a difficult task to be a Philadelphia sports fan. So I've always said, as I got older and, and got more mature, the only way to survive is to have expectations in order, because if you expect too much or you make a Chris Weber type trade, we didn't see Chris Weber. We knew the name, but he came here and he was a shell of himself mm-hmm. and you get caught up in names. So you got to keep your expectations in order. So I want to ask you this question. What is the proper mindset of Flyers fans who are so conditioned through the Ed Snyder years to get every big shiny toy that's out there, whether that's a coach, whether that's a player, a big name, he just went out and bought. That's not the league anymore. You can't do that when it comes to players. So what is the proper mindset fans should go into this offseason with about what can be accomplished? Well, it, yeah, it, it is, you know, I mean, it, it to me, it starts with obviously with the, the hiring of a coach, and uh, over the next year, you know, uh, establishing an identity of a competitive team. You know, I don't I don't think the expectation of going in contending for a Stanley Cup is a realistic one. On, on the flip side, you know, you you get the everything over the top negative too, and there are some things that can build off of. You know, if you have a health, you have a healthier team next year, which should be able to have a healthier team. I mean, this season was one of the worst injury years they've ever had, right? Um, you know, you improve this year. Whether you get in the playoffs or not, I don't know. You know, but I, but I, it should be an, it should be an improved team with a much lower goals against average and at least somewhat better offensively. I mean, the, the team really didn't really severely underperform from a goal scoring perspective too. Yeah. So it should be it should be a competitive team, a better team, and in the race for a longer period of time. Uh, you know, I know there are people who say, "Oh, well, just throw the season away and you know uh, finish at the bottom five again and, and hope hope you get Bedard in the lottery." You know that that to me is not a strategy. No. And the other thing too is if you throw another season away and you continue to just be a bad hockey team, you know, and you still have the the culture of a losing hockey team then Connor Bedard is not, is not going to magically change things you know you're, you're talking you know I say a lot of I say a lot of times that I think there's an element of the Flyers fan base that seems almost bent on becoming the Buffalo Sabres you know yeah. or or let, let, let's say you know let's say you do get Bedard and, and you are at the bottom of the league you're down there with Montreal or with uh, you know with Arizona and you're you're contending for the bottom of the league and you get you know you get a franchise player in the next draft well, look at you know and me and maybe Edmonton who's well up tonight maybe they tie the series maybe they win the series I don't know 
Well, well, we'll see how far Edmonton gets in the playoffs. But until they actually come out of the West some year, I mean, listen, everything that Connor McDavid was cracked up to be, he's been. Right? Everything Leon Dreisaitl was cracked up, he's been more than that. And they have two bona fide superstars. And this is this is the first year they have a chance of getting through two rounds. Right? And, I mean, Calgary is still capable of winning the series. But let's say that they do. You know, even if you're falling, even if you're not reaching the finals, they were to lose a Colorado or something, you know, it, it doesn't carry any guarantees. And, you know, it's it's not like, uh, and it's not like a guy like Big David is, you know, he's done his first year anymore. He's in, in, he's in his prime at this point. You know, the, the whole point is there's no guarantees. Yeah. How many, how many years out you want to go? It's better just build a good hockey team and not rely on one savior, one, you know, one magical lottery pick. A couple of years of lottery picks. Build a good team. Have play a system that you can win with. You know, build depth on the roster, and that's you know that. And then you go from there. You need a little bit of luck sometimes too. You need, you know, you need the middle round pick guy who unexpectedly becomes a star. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about Boston being in transition right now. But I think what's interesting with the Bruins, when you look at the big picture, right? Um, well, they, they've been built on that top line of theirs for how many years going now, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Bergeron was a second-round pick. He was uh, picked around 50th in the draft, something like that. And Marshawn was a third-round pick. And and Pasternak was a, a late first-round pick. So these these weren't top-of-the-draft guys. Sometimes sometimes you need to be a little bit lucky, you know, and, and you find you find impact players in different places. Um you know, I, I think that the, the approach of just play the right way, add pieces, and, um, you know, hopefully you, hopefully you can open up some cap space in the next couple of years. You make a, a big move there, a, a, a hockey trade that works out for you. To me, that's, that is a more tried and true route of building a contending team, which doesn't happen overnight either. Again, I, I, think, I think in a best-case scenario, this is a two-year process. But I think for year one, you can take some significant steps getting there. And I think that's uh, that's a realistic expectation. Let me give you, everybody, a poker parallel. Everybody knows the great poker player, legend Doyle Brunson. He had a hand. He won the World Series of Poker. It's called the Doyle Brunson. It's a 10-2 offsuit. Would you push a 10-2 offsuit knowing the other guy didn't even have a pocket pair? Like he had a jack queen? Because that's basically the odds that you're playing 27% is what the 10 two is against any two cards that are higher than you than higher than a 10. That's not good odds. Would you put your mortgage on 27%? <laughs> you know, it's not great. So that's basically what it is. There's the parallel, but you're right. Bill. In the other sense too, is so much revolves around Couturier. So much revolves around Ellis. So much revolves around the two of them for them to take that step forward. And, you know, Chuck Fletcher said something interesting at his press conference at the end of the season that in July we'll have a better idea if the treatment plan that's been prescribed for Ryan Ellis is bearing fruit. I thought it was interesting that he said July because a couple things are going to happen in July, namely the draft on July 7th and 8th and then free agency on July 23rd. So that's a target date that Chuck Fletcher is playing with probably because he needs to have some institutional, some, some knowledge of where the player is so he can go about his offseason properly because he can't go into the offseason or going to next season with this enormous question mark with no res- no resolve to it. 
no. I, if the Flyers end up in another scenario where Ryan Ellis misses most of the season or, you know, all the season or, or whatever the case might be, but he's not in your lineup as a regular for most of the, most of the hockey season, you're right back where you were. All the things that the Flyers talk about needing to improve, you know, start starting with puck movement out of their own zone. Well, oh, why, yeah. why, why, why were the Flyers defending so much this year? Well, number one reason was they didn't move the puck very well. Yeah. And why did they, they suffer in transition? Because they they weren't a transition team. They didn't have those it, players. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that was the number one reason why they brought Ryan Ellison in the first place. Besides that, he could play you know multiple situations, help on a power play, all those other things. He's one of the NHL's better defensemen at, at triggering the rush up the ice. Yeah. And if you don't if you don't improve, and I mean significantly, there, you're looking at being the same kind of team again. It's, they're, they're, you know, it's not a it's not an easy element to add. So if you're if you're going into July and you don't feel confident, you're gonna have you're gonna have to do the best you can to try to plug that hole. They don't they don't even have uh, you know they don't even have Justin Braun anymore to plug him under the first pair. Now you're looking at at moving Sanheim up maybe, and then you know figuring out your other two pairs after that. I mean, it's uh, you weak in your second pair. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a it's a far from ideal scenario. So the Flyers have to. You know anything? Anything else they do this off season is going to also depend on on where Ryan Ellis is. Because if you can add a you know if you can add a winger, you're you know uh, who could make something of an impact. Well, that's going to take cap space. So that's going to take assets. Yeah. And um, if you have a giant gaping hole in your first first defensive pairing, it doesn't matter what you're going to add on the wing. You really have to you really have to solidify that as best as you can this off season. So that that's like that's an absolutely critical date, Jason. I mean, if you, uh, you know, as you said, you, you you can't have another year of this. Plain and simple. Yeah, and the other thing too is, look, you know, back in the 2019-20 season, they were seventh in goal scoring. It was spread around amongst a lot of guys. They didn't have mm-hmm. a true offensive sniper on that team, and you know, part of the transition game is not just scoring off the rush, but it's the ease of which you can obtain the offensive zone with possession off the yeah. rush which also creates more goals. It's something they were good at that year in transition. Yeah. And, yeah, just, and, and they were so bad the last two years in transition, Bill. And, and even if you're, you know, even if you're not carrying in. Yeah. You know, look, look at, uh, you know, and they, they just had this, they had this on the broadcast the other day, talking about Carolina. No oh, they team. Dump they, they, dump, everybody. Yeah. They, they dumped in the puck with anybody, but they get through the neutral zone with speed. So they're, yeah. you know, they're very good at retrievals. So if you're not carrying in, that, that's the other alternative. But that also starts with a good breakout. That also starts with, you know, attacking with some speed, so you can get the retrieval. Or, or even if even if the defense gets to it first, the the F one is pressuring the puck. It, you know, as soon as the guy retrieves the puck. Yeah. And that's just something the Flyers are not good at. So, you know, how, how do you improve in that area, which is such a big part of the game today? I mean, you you can maybe add, you know, you can maybe add around the fringes, but you have to add at the top of the lineup. I think that that needs to be top priority, whether it's Ryan Ellis or whether it's looking for another alternative. Yeah. And, and again, this will be one of those things that we'll be reading by based on what they do, not what they say right. is how they behave at the draft when it comes to maybe some hockey trades or how they behave at free agency will give us the information on Ryan Ellis. Now, let me ask you about, because Barry Trotz has really thrown 
an interesting dynamic into the coaching situation. I don't think a lot of us were expecting him to be fired. I know it kind of it shocked me. You know, one bad season, and you know, Lou had other plans and decided he wanted a new voice. Although he got his top lieutenant, which I think is strange. But I think maybe part of that was he was afraid he was going to lose Lane Lambert long, you know, long view anyway. So he decided to make the move. But Barry Trotz being in this equation now, and the Flyers rumored to be talking to him, it really throws an interesting dynamic into this because human nature is Bill now. Barry Trotz is on the market. Everybody wants Barry Trotz. If it's not Trotz, it's automatic disappointment from an optical standpoint. Um, Trotz might be the right guy. The fact that he didn't just sign and you know sign on the dotted line when he was in Winnipeg for an in-person interview in his hometown, I think is very telling. We have not heard his name mentioned with Vegas just yet, and they've garnered themselves a nice reputation for kind of pitching guys to the wolves when they've used them up enough. And maybe that's something that Trotz doesn't want to be a part of after kind of getting let go after one bad season in on the island. And after winning a cup, he walked in Washington. So, you know, that part of the equation may mean quite a bit to him. But he was really thrown this coaching, you know, search for the Flyers and a lot of other teams in a spin cycle. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I, I think, well, Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick were just talking about how, uh, you know, they, they did say they, they expect Vegas to have some interest. They mentioned Detroit also. Yep. Uh, you know, I think that the, the, every team with vacancies, although they mentioned different names in Dallas, Dallas has a vacancy now too. Yeah, Rick Bonus um, stepped down. So, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, the really, really Barry Trotz has an unusual amount of power in the situation where he can really – pick his his destination there's a place he wants to go and it, it kind of behooves him to take his time a little bit here too yeah. the officers the officers will still be there so you know if he leaves philadelphia without a contract in hand and, and then he has an interview say with detroit or whatever i mean it's not the end of the world with that either you know just as just as winnipeg's not out of it at this point he wants to he, he wants to hear what's out there he wants to hear what teams have to say he wants to you know tour the facilities, talk to talk to a variety of people in management, and then make his make his decision. I mean, he's going to get good money wherever he goes. The Flyers will make him a competitive offer, no no doubt. If you don't get Barry Trotz, yes, there's the instant disappointment. He's not the only good coach that's out there this offseason. No. Um, and, you know, another, I'm mentioning Boston again. I thought it was interesting that, that Cam Neely stopped way short of saying that uh, Bruce Cassidy was going to be back. They're keeping Sweeney on as yeah. GM. I mean, Cassidy is a really quality coach who's done a tremendous job in Boston. That that wouldn't be a, that would be a bad alternative option. He's a very good coach. Yeah. So you know, so the so even if you don't get Barry Trotz, or there are other good options out there, and there's the other names that you hear out there too. You know, the, we talked about John Tortorella on some other podcasts, and you know, then uh, actually I thought it was interesting. Rick Tockett's name was associated with the Dallas opening. Um. But uh, at any rate, I mean, you know, there are the candidates out there, Maurice. I mean, it's, you know, all, all the names we've been talking about. But it seems that, uh, you know, it seems with each successive round in the playoffs, some surprise name ends up ends up out there. So, you know, so while Barry Trotz, to me, should still be number one on the Flyers list just because of his track record of making an impact on teams and having them play the right way. And even, even uh, you know, even longevity that he's had, because other, other than in, other than the Rangers, I mean, it was 15 years, 15 years with uh, 
with Nashville, which is an unheard of longevity, you know. Um, and and he was I mean, he was there at the very beginning, you know, for the brand new expansion franchise with a traditional market, yeah, a non traditional market where their best player in their first year was an aging Cliff Ronning. So it's not like it's not like you know it's not like uh, it's not like he's not familiar with, with building a, you know, with building an identity yeah. with a team or that scares him. And also we talked about the Islanders situation. Hey, you know when when he went to the Islanders, we we've talked about how they went from the worst goals against to the best in a single year. They were all they also finished eighteen points out of the playoffs the year before. So it wasn't it wasn't like they were you know contending and knocking on the door. You know they. They lost John Tavares and they they brought in Val Philpola. I mean, they, they, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like there was any big names coming in. He he really changed the identity of the team. So that I don't think I don't think that scares them off. I think it'd just be you know what is the what is the right situation for him. You know, only he can decide that. But but if it's not going to be him, again, there are there are other quality names out there. That's a great point you bring up. First of all, Cliff Ronning did he wear number seven with? Um with Nashville Predators when he was his main player? I'd have he wore to, seven in Vancouver. Yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to go check back on that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I loved Cliff Ronning. He was a great Vancouver Canuck for so many years with Jeff Gordon. Really, really, really good little player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pavel Bure on that team, Jerky yeah. Lume. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good team. Um, Kirk McLean in goal. And I went to the Cup Final in 94, as a matter of fact. Uh, but you look at that, and it's a great point because a lot of people you see on social media, well, why would he come here? Well, it brings me back to a, a an article that Sean Shapiro, the athletic, did that not that long ago, where the Flyers were actually the second ranked team, according to a poll of agents, of a place they would recommend their players, their clients to go to. And it was simple things that and because I had him on stick to hockey and I asked him about it. And he said one of the things that really stuck out with the Flyers is that any guy that plays their first game, they get to keep the jersey. Now, we seem to think that. Hey, they wear the jersey. It's theirs forever. No, you got to buy it at most teams, you know. But even if you just crack the NHL for one game, you, they present you with that jersey and the puck and the whole thing. And it's really well thought of in that way. And that kind of stuff is important, I think, to Barry Trotz. He's a good man. I talked to Keith Jones about him, who played for him in Baltimore for the Skipjacks way back um, when he was just, you know, coming up to the NHL. But those things matter. And that's one thing that the Flyers – do have as well. They have that element. Plus, they do have those, some of those core pieces with a guy like Couturier and a guy like you know on that deep you know that D pairs you know with Travis Sanheim, Ivan Provorov, and you have Kevin Hayes. So you have some character there as well. Oh yeah, I mean there there's uh, you know Cam Atkinson is a guy I think he would like uh, a lot. He, he would yeah he yeah. he he'd have a lot of he'd have a lot of instant faith in, in Cam Atkinson. Yeah. in a lot of situations and. You know, and, and I know there's been some pushback too. Oh, he isn't all that good with the young players. Well, again, he, he was with he was with Nashville for 15 years. They had a lot of young players who, who came up along the way, the, especially defensemen. Oh, my God. From Seth Jones yeah. to Ellis Shea to Weber Josie, and, yeah. Shea Weber. I mean, it goes on and on. It goes on and on. So it's not nobody, like – By the way, nobody has success with just young players. Right. Show me that team, right? Toronto tried it. They haven't gotten out of the first round. Right. So, and, and but I mean, you know, so but there's there's a mix. There are veterans. There's some young players. Yeah. You know, when he was in, uh, you know, when he was in in Washington, he had Kuznetsov as a very young player. He didn't hold him back. Nope. You know, he no. he realized this guy can play, and he so you know, if you can play and you can deliver, you'll play. Period. Yeah. 
Well, people and, point uh, to Barzell have an 85 point year and then like a 62 point year. Yeah, but that's a team that missed the playoffs by 18 points. Yeah, and then went know? to the playoff, went to a conference final when they played right. the right way as a team. Yeah, exa- exactly. You know, I mean, any any player that cares more about winning, they, you know, would you rather would you rather have 65 points and and play on a play on a winning team, or you know, do you do you want to do you want to lead a team and and also. Also, too, don't forget that 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 year before was also Tavares is still there too. Exactly, so that, that meant a lot of good matchups for other guys on the team too. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, you know, but but at any rate, I mean, it, it, it comes down to what uh, what coach gives you the best chance at improvement, right? And there again, there, there there are a lot of good coaches that are out there. I, I think Trotz has the most proven track record of taking teams that uh, you know the that have modest talent and getting to overachieve or taking teams that are contending teams and getting them to that next step as he did in Washington. So, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. He got Alexander Richkin to fully buy into the 200 foot game. Yeah. And that's why they won the cup. That was the difference. I think, I, I think it was a huge, I mean, obviously John Carlson, great goaltending with Braden Holpe. That also comes with trots and Mitch Korn. Yeah. That's an element of it as well. So, Look, that's that's why they won the cup, and one of the reasons why they have not won a playoff series since he left, because they've gotten away from those core principles that he brought in. Last thing for you, Bill, um, you know, with Florida being down three games to none, I see a lot of dunking on Claude Giroux on social media. Now, I, look, I want Claude to win a cup because I think he's a good man, he's a good family man, and he did a lot for this organization. But I really don't give a whole hell of a lot who wins the cup. I just want to see good games. I don't care if it's Calgary. I don't care. I mean, there's a couple of teams I prefer it not be, but um, you know, like the Rangers. Yep. But, but that being said, they prove my point that goaltending is the most important position in sports. So I kind of go with it, but the dunking on Giroux, like I just don't get it. Um, and look, you and I talked before we started taping. I don't want the hot take to invade flyers land there's so much hot takery going on with this eagles whether that's with writers or bloggers or podcasts or sports talk show hosts that i've called out a thousand times because i think it's i think the hot take is uneducated and disingenuous and i think it spits in your eye as a consumer and i'm seeing it kind of come into flyers twitter and some podcasts and i'm not going to dunk on the people specifically i'll do that in time that I will tell say who I'm talking about because I'm disappointed in them. But what do you think of the dunking that's taking place on Giroux right now? Well, I, I think it's I think when a team is struggling on the brink of elimination, it's very low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. you know. And um, also, what why it annoys me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's you know, and when you know hockey, it's also. It, it's so team oriented. It's so you can't really, you know, you you can't pin it all in one player. I mean, you know, listen, there there's a lot of guys in Florida through these first three games. Huberto could be better, right? Yep. Barkov could be better. You know, yes, yes, Giroux could play better too. It's uh, but there, there's any number, and, and you got to give credit to the other side too because that's the thing. Yeah, and look who they're playing. Yeah, and that's just that's just. That's just the nature of hockey. You know, it rarely comes down to to one player. And, you know, and if you weren't dunking on, on Giroux when he was helping clinch the series for 
um, for Florida because he had one hell of a game seven, particularly that seven, particularly that third period. They probably don't get out of that first round. T- ties the game and then right. assists on the game winner. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, the news cycles are short and it just seems to me you get in, you get your shots and you move, move on to the next topic. And it, it does seem a little disingenuous to me as well, where, you know, how, how upset really are you and how much is it, how much of it is performative? So like, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it either. Yeah. It's, it's really annoying to me and you know me, I can't keep my stupid mouth shut. I got to eventually say something and I will. Um, and the other part of it too is, you know, Tampa is a, a great team. They've won nine straight playoff series. I think put this in perspective real quick. New York Islanders won 19. They're halfway there. 19. That's really wild. <laughs> That's so insane. <laughs> I mean, that is. Yeah, especially in this day and age where it's, it's four series. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just. You know, somewhere along the way, you're going to run into series or just whatever. You know, you run into the hot goalie or, or whatever. It just doesn't happen in that particular series. And to carry it over multiple years is, is you know, pretty wild. Um, I like one more because you mentioned goalie. And Jake Ottinger was taken 27th, I believe, overall yep. uh, a couple of years ago in the NHL draft. And, boy, he, he looks like the real deal down in Dallas. Unbelievable. He was the best player in the first round. Oh, no, no question. No question. I remember, uh, you know, a few years ago, Jeff Reese had said, hey, this kid can really, really play. Yeah. You know, he's very excited about him. You can see why. You can see why. He's, he's a tremendous goalie. Yeah, there's so many good goalies in this league now. It's amazing. I love it. Um, Bill, thanks for doing this as always. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, another Mondays with Meltzer in the can. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll key, uh, keep an eye on Trot's botch and everything else going on around the NHL. So we'll be back Wednesday with another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Thanks for listening.